talks this morning for a couple of weeks, but a, a few weeks ago, I was catching up with some friends of mine. We connect every two weeks via video call, and we just check in with each other. We give each other a chance to um, update each other on how they're doing, and we encourage each other. And one of us was sharing um, a couple of weeks ago just how much of a, a difficult time that they were going through. They sort of described it as like being in a pit, and we, and we always respond, they, 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 someone shares, then we respond with encouragement. And, and one of us responded beautifully the other day. He said, isn't it amazing how through the narrative of Scripture, that's the Bible, that there are so many stories of people being described in, uh, of be, as being in the pit or being in the, in the fire. And still God used them. And still God worked in their life. And then he said to, to our friend who was going through this difficult time, he said, you're in good company. You're in good company. And I love that phrase. And it, and it made me think about all the ways I might describe my story and my experience right now. And then it made me think of, as I prayed earlier, all the stories that are in this room and all the stories that I hear from you guys as you share and reflect about where your lives are at and what's going on in your life right now. How each of us have struggles or we have pit-like moments or we have feelings of pain or we might be having feelings of inadequacy, feelings of failure, maybe feelings of fatigue and tiredness. And it's so easy. I find it so easy that when we feel like that, to also feel like we're alone in those feelings. Were we to open up the Bible, would we realize that actually we're in good company? We're in good company, that there are stories after stories in the Bible of people's weaknesses and flaws and struggles, and yet God still moved powerfully in their life. And so what we're going to do for a number of weeks is we're going to read those kinds of stories and we're going to then, using those stories, we're going to try and make sense of our current story by finding our stories in God's story. God has a unique purpose and a unique plan for each and every single one of us. To, he wants to involve us. He wants to include us in his ultimate unraveling story and plan of, of bringing redemption to the world. Someone once said, God's plan for our lives far exceeds the circumstance of our days. God's plan for our lives far exceeds the circumstance of our days. So our, you, you and I, our, our temporary moments and our temporary situations, they don't outlast this beautiful story that is unraveling, the story of God's redemption and the story of God's renewal for the whole world. So we're going to track a, a, a I feel or I felt sort of statement. And in using that statement, we're going to see how a particular story from the Bible resonates with that statement. And we're going to unpack how God is at work, even in those situations, in those stories, to bring about his purposes and to bring about uh, his, his purpose for yours and my life. So the one I want to track through today is, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel good enough. That's the point. That's like later. Don't bring that back later. Um, yeah, there should be a holding slide. On there. there we go. Just yeah, hold that up. So I don't feel good enough. Anyone feel like that or ever felt like that? I don't feel good enough. Not good enough. And to do uh, to the story we're going to track through is we're going to look at the story of Gideon. So if you have a Bible, uh, you'd like to turn to it or an app on your phone, 
or it's going to come up on the screen. We're turning to Judges 6, and we're going to look at verse 11. Now, uh, starting at verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. I should have got someone else to read this one. <laughs> While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I found favor in your eyes, and show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. And then Gideon sort of waits for these signs from the Lord to, to, to say, it really it is God who's asking him to do this. And we pick up again in verse 22. Then God perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. Shall we pray very briefly? Lord, thank you for this story. Thank you for the person of Gideon who shows us that despite his weaknesses and despite his own self-esteem, you wanted to use him and bless him. Amen. Amen. I love the story of Gideon. He certainly didn't feel good enough. And God used him, though, still in an amazing way. A study in 2020 found that eight in 10 millennials, where are my millennials at? Who's, yeah, come on. Oh, not many. Okay. Um, eight in 10 millennials thought they weren't good enough and reported feeling overwhelmed in the pressure to find love, succeed in their careers, or meet life's social expectations. 61% of 10 to 17-year-old girls have low self-esteem. Over a third of children during adolescence will struggle with low self-esteem. And a new studies are showing that self-esteem is beginning to rapidly decline from the age of 60 upwards. That sense of not feeling good enough prevents us from knowing our true worth in God. It might even make us feel like we could never be used by God or that God would ever think much of us. And when we don't feel good enough, we will discredit ourselves or we will discount ourselves from the things of God. And it's important because if that's a story that you live in, as we, as we keep saying here at Bay Church, the story you live in is the story you live out. And so if you live under a story of not feeling good enough, that is the story you will carry about and live out in your life. And so it's important to know how does God respond to the particular story we might believe about ourselves, that particular story of feeling not good enough. Well, if you don't feel good enough, you're in good company. 
then we can know that God's story for your life, just like at Gideon, is greater than your weakness. God's story for your life is greater than our weaknesses. God's not put off by our weaknesses or by our lack of strength or by our lack of anything. His story of love that is being revealed to the world is far greater than our weakness. I want to share a story about my, uh, my past running achievements. And it, I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's going to start, it's going to feel quite boastful. But don't worry, it ends with a shameful confession. So <laughs> here we go. When I was 14, I was in year 10, and I loved athletics, and I, I was particularly uh, fond of the 800 meters, the 800 meter run. I had made the school team, and I was even outrunning some of the older lads in the years above. And it was the Brighton and Hove schools competition, and it, was, it had come upon us, and I, and I did what I usually do in this event. My strategy was to just stay in, in the front for that first lap, to just hold on, make sure no one passes me for the first lap. And then when that second lap came around, I would just empty the tank, and I would just go and give it everything. And, and that year at the Brighton & Hove Schools competition, I came first with a time of 2 minutes and 12 seconds. That win, that is actually quite impressive. You're going to work it out at some point. That win then earned me entry into the Sussex Schools competition. And so a couple of weeks later, again, same strategy, held on and then gave it everything towards the end. And I ran a new PB of 2 minutes and 10 seconds you now you're feeling it. And I came second. So I came second with this new P, PB. That second place, though, was still enough to gain the entry into the South of England competition and to represent Sussex. But before that, I had sports day. So I wore my Sussex running vest, feeling really proud of myself. My teachers were confident that I would break the school record that year. And I did. Two minutes and 12 seconds. You noticing a theme. So imagine then my confidence is high. I keep getting on to the next stage. And if I can perform well at England South, then I could qualify for nationals. And so the day comes. I lace up my track shoes. Same strategy. I hold on. I just hold on for that first lap. And then the last lap, I give it everything I got. And I threw everything. I think I even threw up afterwards, having thrown everything at it. Two minutes and 10 seconds, the same time at Sussex that got me second place. But for this competition, it got me second to last. And I didn't make nationals. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> and then I, well, then I learned that even if you make nationals, if you want to make the national team at 14 years old, you had to break two minutes. And so my confidence in that moment was completely gone. I felt pretty deflated, but also felt like I couldn't have given any more than I did in that moment. I, could, I, I just wasn't good enough for that level. I'd, 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 I'd plateaued with basically getting the same time each time. So I loosely stuck at athletics. And the following year, I was back at the Brighton and Hove schools competition, ready to defend my title. And so same strategy again, I'm holding on to the front, that first lap. And as that second lap was, was just about to begin, I just remember thinking to myself, I said, wait, 
if I, if I win this race, then I'll get to go to Sussex again. And then, I mean, and then I'll probably get to run for Sussex again at South. And, and if that happens, then I, I'm going to have to go through that whole thing again of not being good enough. I could just not win. And so this, I'm, this is right in the moment. And in a split second, I did something that I've never publicly admitted to. And to this day, I still don't think my PE teachers would ever know was the truth. But as we ran past and the bell's going to mark the last lap, I reached down with my hand to the back of my leg with my hand and I fake a hamstring injury. And I just hopped to the side of the track and I lay on the ground pretending to be in pain. I just couldn't take the pressure, and I, I just didn't want to feel not good enough again, even though for that particular race, I was good enough. I was going to win, win that race, hands down. So I faked this injury, and then for weeks, I have to keep it up, because <laughs> I realize a hamstring is quite a serious injury, so I can never be seen to be playing football at school, and I walk past a PE teacher, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, still, still hurts. I couldn't do PE for weeks even though I was completely fine. Maybe they knew, maybe they knew, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so encouraged though by Gideon. In verse 15 to 16, he says, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. God's story for your life is so much greater than your weaknesses because God's response to us ever feeling not good enough or not strong enough or not worthy enough, his response is to say, but I will be with you. His response is to say, I promise to be present in your life. The, the outworking of God's story in your life is not dependent on any of our own proficiency in, at anything. It's not even dependent on any of our own power and might. But the work, outworking of God's, God's power and his own power in your life is dependent on his presence in your life because he is enough, because he's enough. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I am strong. God's story for our lives is far greater than our weaknesses because his promise is to be with us. And when God is with us, then we are strong. And it's the story of Gideon that is particularly um, special to me because it's the story that was, that was the story that encouraged me when we were thinking about um, moving our lives from Portsmouth to Devon to plant Bay Church. Because during that time, and we were, we, were, we were asked whether we would plant this church, during that time, I didn't feel particularly qualified. I didn't feel particularly good enough to take on something like this. Uh, and, and yet, we felt like this is what God was asking us 
to do, but I didn't feel good enough. And so uh, during that time, this story of Gideon kept on coming back. It kept on coming back as in, in talks I would listen to or, or when I'm talking to other people. And I just kept praying to God. I said, okay, why, what are you trying to teach me through this story? Anyway, I came to visit the bay for the first time in the summer of 2020. And I met up with Ollie Ryder, who was the vicar at St. Matt's in Plymouth at the time. And, um, and I had this Gideon thing just sort of in the back of, my, uh, back of my head, and I couldn't quite make sense of it. But Ollie and I, we met in the church, then we started walking around, and we were praying together. And then we went and found a spot up and round them, you know, the, 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 the green where it sort of opens out, and you look in the bay. And we sat on this bench together, and Ollie just began to pray for me. And he started praying these words. He says, I pray for Matt that like Gideon, that he would respond to God's call and be a mighty warrior for God. I was like, whoa, whoa. I, and again, but, but I needed a bit more. Like Gideon, I needed, another, I needed another sign that this was actually what God was asking. So a couple of weeks later, I was back in Portsmouth and we were with the staff team of the church in Portsmouth. We had our annual staff day and Alex and Liz, who, are the leaders, who were the leaders in Portsmouth at the time, they had bought everyone a, a notebook, a notepad. And it had, an, it had your initial on the notepad and in a word that, that started with that same initial. And then it had a Bible reference on it. And so this is a complete, I think they just probably just bought in bulk loads of letters uh, on these notepads and just gave it out to everyone. But my one, my one, it had M on it, obviously. It's my name. It had an M on it. And then, it, but it said M for mighty. And the Bible reference, Judges 6, Gideon. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, God, I think you want me to respond to this call. Even though I feel completely inadequate, even though I feel completely underqualified, even though actually, to be honest with you, I feel completely unprepared to step out in this way. But like Gideon, what you're doing and the story that you're unraveling is far greater than my sense of self-esteem, my sense of self-worth, and it's far greater than my weakness. It's far greater than any of my own hang-ups about doing this, and it's far greater than any of the shortfalls I know I'm going to make. You're not asking me to be strong. You're just asking to, me to trust that you're with me. And so here's what I've learned time and time again. Even in recent months, I'm constantly learning this lesson. Don't discount yourself because of any inadequacies you feel about yourself. Our weaknesses don't discredit us from God's story. Our weaknesses don't discount God from writing his story into ours. Because God's story for your life is far greater than your weaknesses. And it might just be that your particular weakness is what God is wanting to use to, in an incredible way to make a difference in someone else's life. So if you don't feel good enough this morning, you're in good company. You're in good company. And God says to you, I will be with you for what I'm calling you into. Just like he promised Gideon when he brought freedom to the Israelites. Just like he promised Moses that he'd be with him to help save the people out of slavery in Egypt. Just like he promised Joshua that he'd be with him for the battle. God is 
with you. God is with you. It's interesting that weakness is often in, in our society is the thing that we need to, uh, it needs to be avoided or it needs to be hidden and shunned away. When as Christians, we know that what hap- happened and appeared to be a sign of weakness when Jesus' body was broken and bloodied on the cross when he died for us, it wasn't actually weakness, but it was the very victory and strength that needed to happen to bring salvation and hope and forgiveness to a broken world. This ultimate sign of weakness in the world's eyes was the greatest act of strength and love and victory in the history of humankind. Jesus on the cross is the greatest example of what God can do in any situation. He brings life from death. He brings hope to the hopeless. He brings healing to the broken. And he makes weak things, weak people strong. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and we're going to respond.